Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is True Crime Psychology and Personality, where we discuss the pathology behind some of the most horrific crimes and those who committed them from a scientifically informed perspective. I'm Dr. Todd Grande. I have a PhD in counselor education and supervision, and I'm a licensed professional counselor of mental health. Dr. Todd Grande, that's my YouTube channel. Today's question is, can I analyze the case of Christy Sheets? Christy Sheets was born in Alabama. She had a fairly normal upbringing that didn't involve any type of mistreatment. She was active socially, performed well academically, and did not run into any problems with the law. She was in high school when she met Jason Sheets. They began dating and eventually would marry. They moved to Katy, Texas for work. The first few years of their marriage appeared to be going smoothly. They had two daughters, Taylor and Madison. Christy worked in various jobs in Texas, including as an executive assistant, stylist at a salon, and a receptionist. Jason worked as an IT consultant for an oil and gas company. By the late 2000s, Christy and Jason started arguing. They were disagreeing about issues like how to raise the children. Christy was strict, whereas Jason was more laid back. Christy wanted to know where her daughters were at every moment in the day, which Jason felt was too extreme. Moving to the early 2010s, the relationship only grew more strained. Christy had developed mental health symptoms, but found support in her grandfather. In 2012, Christy's grandfather died which left her emotionally devastated and without support. Two months later, her mother died. Now having lost two people she depended on, Christie's mental health deteriorated even more. She was having more difficulty regulating her mood. From January 2012 through June 2016, the police were called to the Sheets residence 14 times. Now five of those times were for difficulties with the burglar alarm, like it was going off by mistake, But the other calls were for serious events. For example, in 2012, Christy attempted to bring an end to her own life on three separate occasions in January, May, and July. It was suspected that she did the same thing in April of 2014, and there was a crisis intervention the next month. In April of 2015, the police responded to a report of a verbal altercation. Christy had a number of extended stays in mental health treatment facilities. When Christie's grandfather died, she received an inheritance. There wasn't much in the way of money, but he did have a five-shot 38 caliber revolver. Jason wasn't too happy about Christie possessing this weapon. He advised her to keep it locked up, but she would not. 
She applied for a concealed carry permit in Texas, but she was denied, probably due to her history of mental health hospitalizations. In June of 2016, the relationship between Christy and Jason was still unstable. The couple had just recently reunited after being separated. On June 24, which was Jason's 45th birthday, Christy started arguing with Taylor about her fiancé. Taylor was supposed to be married in just three days. Jason was upset by all the arguing. He told Christy, this will be the last birthday party you're going to ruin. Technically, he was correct, although he probably didn't understand the degree to which she would cause destruction on this day. Christy called a family meeting that took place in the living room. Ostensibly, the purpose was to talk about various problems in the family. In attendance would be not only 42-year-old Christy and her 45-year-old husband Jason, but 22-year-old Taylor and 17-year-old Madison. Jason believed that Christy was going to announce their divorce. As it turns out, Christy had a few bullet points to cover, and she was taking the term literally. Right after the meeting started, Christy produced the 38 caliber revolver. She had hidden it in the cushions of the couch. Jason told Christy to make it easy on all of them and advised her to turn the gun on herself. Christy replied, no, that's not what this is about. This is about punishing you. Christy started shooting. Taylor, Madison, and Jason ran out of the house. Madison was struck in the neck. Taylor was struck in the head. Madison collapsed on the front lawn and died. Christy pursued Taylor outside and attempted to shoot her again, but the revolver was empty. Christy went inside the house, reloaded her weapon, returned, and shot Taylor again. Taylor would later die in the hospital from three gunshot wounds to the head. The police arrived just as Christy was shooting Taylor for the final time. They ordered Christy to drop the weapon, but she did not comply and started moving toward the officers. The police shot Christy one time, killing her. The police found Jason at the end of the cul-de-sac. He was taken to the hospital for emotional distress. He was unharmed physically. Now moving to my analysis. Christy Sheets suffered from a number of mental health conditions. She was depressed, anxious, unable to regulate her consumption of alcohol, and her mood was erratic. She had been to several mental health treatment facilities, as I mentioned, but it's not clear if she had ongoing treatment, like if she was seeing a counselor on an outpatient basis when she was not inpatient. Some neighbors of the family did not know anything was wrong in the relationship between Christy and Jason. The outward appearance Christy was able to maintain was positive. People described her as nice and cheerful. They were shocked that she committed two homicides. Other neighbors knew that there were problems and thought of Christy as unstable. As is often the case with these types of situations, there were people who recognized the warning signs, although there was nothing they could really do. It appears that her family only wanted the best for Christy. They were supportive and valued her. Her daughter Taylor described Christy in a Facebook post on Mother's Day in 2013 as intelligent, fun, strong, encouraging, amazing, and a blessing. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. You're listening to Stop the Killing Podcast. Join us as we take you behind the crime scene tape to explain global mass shootings and mass attacks. I'm Sarah Ferris, but more importantly, this is Catherine Schweitz, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've traced heroic acts of bravery. And I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify, and all the usual suspects. Christy separated from her husband several times. They reunited each time. As I mentioned, they had just reunited when Christy committed the murders. Christie's employment history was unstable. For several years, she was unemployed. Christie was fired from a laser tattoo removal place in May of 2015 after working there for just five months. The owner said that she had highs and lows. She had a certain charm about her, which the customers liked, but her attendance was problematic. In addition, she would frequently be deceptive. Looking at all these mental health factors, we see this image of somebody who is somewhat out of control, drinking, and depressed, but was trying, with mixed success, to maintain an outward appearance of being well-adjusted. Image was important. Christie wanted to look a certain way. She wanted people to believe that she had an ideal life. There is this theme with Christie of bad times and good times, a dark side and a light side. Christie was not consistently in distress, rather it was episodic, which may have led people around her to believe that she was getting better each time her mood improved, like she had weathered the storm. She was in the clear. Stepping back from the situation, a larger pattern is evident. Christie was in a cycle of destructiveness and pain, perhaps due to something like major depressive disorder, although that disorder wasn't specifically mentioned in any report. Sometimes in these situations, these depressive episodes can become progressively worse. Not always, but it would be more likely when alcohol is added. So the person becomes depressed, and they try to drink away the depression. When the next episode hits, they drink more, desperate to minimize the pain of depression, desperate just to get back to feeling normal. So it's not necessarily drinking to be happy, it's drinking just to get back up to baseline. As all this is going on, they are alienating people in their lives, destroying relationships, and often they blame other people for abandoning them, for not standing by them, through the mood dysregulation. Family and friends grow tired of the individual because they view them as failing to recover. They view this idea of getting depressed, getting better, and getting depressed again as the person going backwards, like they were giving up on trying to improve. What these people often fail to understand is the cyclic nature. The person never truly did improve. Rather, just the symptoms would come and go to some degree the underlying disorder is still there. It's persistent over time. What's so unusual about this case 
is how Christie moved from self-destructive tendencies to murdering her daughters. By all accounts, Christie loved and valued her daughters, at least for many years. In one Facebook post, Christie wrote, Happy Daughter's Day to my two amazing, sweet, kind, beautiful, intelligent girls. I love you and treasure you both more than you could ever possibly know. She was featured in several photographs with her daughters, which were posted on social media. People said that Christie loved being a mother. It was an important part of her life. It would appear as though Christie's desire to get revenge on Jason outweighed any affection she had for her daughters. She really wanted to make him suffer. At one point, she was pointing the 38 caliber revolver at him. She had every opportunity to shoot him, and yet she chose not to. Christy probably believed that the relationship was over, and she could not tolerate that. I think Christy planned the murders and planned to die herself. In addition to the mental health problems I talked about, she also appeared to be sadistic, uncaring, self-centered, and callous, at least in her final moments. Moving to the dynamics of the incident itself, could this tragedy have been prevented? Some people have been critical of Jason. They don't understand why he didn't simply charge at Christy and grab the weapon. It seems reasonable to believe he could have physically overpowered her if he could have closed the distance without being shot. No one knows how they would react in situations like this. He was probably afraid and thought his best chance of survival and the survival of his daughters was to flee. There may have been quite some distance between Christy and Jason so that he couldn't close it fast enough. She would have simply shot him. Some people have argued that he certainly could have charged her when she ran out of ammunition. This is a pretty good point. It's hard to understand why he wouldn't do this. I suppose he could have believed that she had another weapon or that she could have been faking being out of ammunition, like he didn't understand what to look for to know if the gun was really out of cartridges. He also may have been confused in the moment. That type of stress can overwhelm people. As far as verbal de-escalation, during the incident, both daughters called 911. Jason can be heard saying, please don't point the gun at us. I beg you, please put it away. I'm sorry. I promise you whatever you want. Reportedly, prior to this, he had invited Christy to use the gun on herself, as I mentioned. In these types of crisis situations, it's rarely a good idea to advise the person in crisis to use the weapon they are holding. He may have said that because he didn't believe she would really do it, but either way, it was a bad idea. The next point of discussion is access to firearms. When people have a history of severe mental health symptoms, especially when there has been violence towards self or others, they should not be in the possession of any weapons. One could argue that because Christy inherited the gun from her grandfather, no one could stop her from getting it, but there were other firearms in the house, and people knew she had all these weapons. It wasn't like she was hiding this fact. What lessons can we learn in this case? When somebody is suffering from depression and anxiety, the pain can become unbearable. The person can adopt a mindset where they blame other people for their pain. On rare occasion, they may reach a point where they are no longer trying to get out of pain. Instead, they want to communicate to everybody how bad their pain is and make them suffer along with them. This is in an effort not only to get revenge for perceived wrongdoing, but to finally be understood. Now people will comprehend the depth and severity of their pain. This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. 
Ars Longa Vita Brevis. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.